This is episode 10 of the Humanitis Podcast, and I am your host, Jaden Lopez, and uh, it's been a while. It's been a while since I uploaded an episode, so first of all, I apologize for making you wait over a month, and there's been a few reasons why I was absent, the main one being I was just busy with school and work, especially since the semester is winding down, it's crunch time now in terms of getting shit turned in, grading things, conferencing, and other stuff. So that's the main reason. The other one is that there just hasn't really been a reason to hit record. You know, there's there's nothing really happening right now, and there's nothing that's interested me enough to babble into a microphone about for an extended period of time. But alas, here we are, and it feels good to be back, so... The main thing I wanted to talk about today is Elliot Page, formerly known as Ellen Page, the star of the movie Juno. She was in Inception and the actor that plays Vanya in the show Umbrella Academy. And he, I will say he now, but I'm sure I'm bound to fuck this up as the episode continues, but he announced in a letter last week that he posted on Twitter that his name is now Elliot Page and that he is a transgender man. So former actress Ellen Page is now actor Elliot Page. So what I'm gonna do is read the letter that Elliot wrote and to make sense of my views and beliefs surrounding the subject of transgenderism, I'm not sure if that's a word, maybe it is, maybe it's not, but to make sense of how I feel about these issues, I'm gonna divide my discussion of this into three separate parts. The first being how I view people who are transgender and what I think about their decision to undergo undergo the change on a very simple level. The second part I want to address is how other people are reacting to Elliot's situation specifically. And thirdly, I'll talk about how transgender as a concept, identity, and as a very new and evolving thing impacts society and the ways in which culture fundamentally operates as a whole. So to make this clear off the bat, I personally believe that you are the sex that you were born as. However, I take no issue with anyone who used to be a man and is now a woman, nor a woman who used to be a man. Case in point, I'm saying Elliot instead of Ellen. I think much like gender expression, the expression of one's sex is up to them if it doesn't harm anyone else. So even though I might subscribe to the thought that there are two genders and two sexes, I still acknowledge the fact that other people may choose to align themselves along a spectrum of sexuality, and that's totally fine with me. I don't think one argument is right and the other one is wrong. I think they're both right, and it doesn't really matter. I personally know a few transgender people, and it's no problem for me at all to think of them as the sex with which they identify. However, it's an extremely slippery slope no matter how you spin it because in most cases, it does harm and it does affect tons of people around that one person who is transgender. And that slippery slope is what I'll get into more later. So 
This is Elliot's letter that he posted on Twitter last week, and I'm reading this word for word. Elliot writes, Hi friends, I want to share with you that I am trans. My pronouns are he and they, and my name is Elliot. I feel lucky to be writing this, to be here, to have arrived at this place in my life. I feel overwhelming gratitude for the incredible people who have supported me along this journey. I can't begin to express how remarkable it feels to finally love who I am, enough to pursue my authentic self. I've been endlessly inspired by so many in the trans community. Thank you for your courage, your generosity, and ceaselessly working to make this world a more inclusive and compassionate place. I will offer whatever support I can and continue to strive for a more loving and equal society. I also ask for patience. My joy is real, but it is also fragile. The truth is, despite feeling profoundly happy right now and knowing how much privilege I carry, I am also scared. I'm scared of the invasiveness, the hate, the jokes, and of violence. To be clear, I am not trying to dampen a moment that is joyous and one that I celebrate, but I want to address the full picture. The statistics are staggering. The discrimination towards trans people is rife, insidious, and cruel, resulting in horrific consequences. In 2020 alone, it has been reported that at least 40 transgender people have been murdered, the majority of which were Black and Latinx trans women. To the political leaders who work to criminalize trans healthcare and deny our right to exist, and to all of those with a massive platform who continue to spew hostility towards the trans community, you have blood on your hands. You unleash a fury of vile and demeaning rage that lands on the shoulders of the trans community, a community in which 40% of trans adults report attempting suicide. Enough is enough. You aren't being canceled. You are hurting people. I am one of those people, and we won't be silent in the face of your attacks. I love that I am trans, and I love that I am queer. And the more I hold myself close and fully embrace who I am, the more I dream, the more my heart grows, and the more I thrive. To all trans people who deal with harassment, self-loathing, abuse, and the threat of violence every day, I see you, I love you, and I will do everything I can to change this world for the better. Thank you for reading this. All my love, Elliot. Well, first of all, I gotta say, as a writer, whoever is responsible for editing or whoever co-wrote um, the letter, because I'm sure Elliot has a ton of managers and people overseeing this announcement, Whoever like finalized this uh, did a really good job because the letter is very authentic. It's very true to the discussion around um, the trans community, and it's just very well written, well spoken, and um, and heartfelt. So, good job on their end. But the interesting thing about the public's response to this announcement isn't the fact that they were split with some people supporting Elliot and celebrating his courage and ability to come out and embrace themselves while others were lashing out in disagreement, disappointment, and anger, screaming that her name is Ellen and that's the way it should be because that's the way it always has been. This polarization wasn't surprising and honestly you expect nothing less from the internet. But what was surprising to me, which after thinking about this a little bit more, isn't really that surprising at all is that hundreds maybe even thousands of people are saying that Elliot's use of the term Latin X to describe the Latin American community was offensive uncalled for and unable to be forgiven 
there were tons of comments from Hispanic and Latin American people who were outraged and upset that Elliot used Latinx to describe them because apparently the term is too general and doesn't account for the different identities and how in Spanish both masculine and gender neutral words end in the letter O. So if anything, Latino would be the best term. And if not that, then he should have just used Latin American. And some people were saying Latinx is a white word that only exists in English, so that just further disrespects Hispanic culture because it doesn't translate well and blah, 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 blah. Dude, if you're offended that he used Latinx as an umbrella term for the Latin American community, you're a moron. The term isn't meant to be disrespectful to all the different subdivisions of Latin American cultures. It's not excluding anyone it's a term that includes everyone who is a part of that group. Elliot is using the term to refer to anyone who is of Latin American descent. Is it a quote-unquote white word? Yeah, but so is all of English. It's literally embedded in the language itself, and it's not my fault, your fault, or anyone's fault for using a term such as Latinx that fails to encapsulate the same level of inclusiveness as a term that exists in another language, especially in the language that is spoken by the culture in question. So like our understanding of the world and of ourselves and of each other is solely grounded in language and more specifically, the language that we speak. For many of us, it's English and we don't have control over whether or not our words can do any justice or be good enough to describe ideas and concepts from other cultures. We can only use the words that we know. We don't have masculine, feminine, or neutral nouns, and therefore we can't use an all-encompassing term to describe a group that consists of all these different voices because it's impossible. Umbrella terms are fine, just like any word, if they're not being used in a derogatory manner, and in this case, I don't think it is. It's also crazy how the main conversation around Elliot's trans announcement has nothing to do with Elliot themselves, but everything to do with other people being offended by a single term that seems to be separate from the rest of the discussion. Which lets me arrive at my third point about how this is all such a slippery slope, because a lot of what we're talking about here, both in regards to the, the term Latinx and how that's disingenuous and also how sensitive the trans community is, a lot of what we're talking about is simply just how we describe things how we identify objects, people, and literally everything else in the world, and how complicated we are now making it have to be. In Elliot's letter, he said that his pronouns are he slash they, and no matter how understanding I try to be, I'm still incredibly confused by this. If your third person pronoun is he, i.e. he went to the store, he is an actor, he eats cereal, etc., etc., why wouldn't it follow that your possessive pronoun is his? His trip to the store, his career as an actor, his bowl of cereal, etc. Why is it they, which is neutral but also plural, when your other pronoun is masculine? It's sort of like a combination of non-binary and trans male, which I find sort of paradoxical or oxymoronic and you might be screaming at me wondering how I possibly couldn't understand this. Maybe it's not that hard, but how does that really make sense? And also, now there's so much pressure on everyone else to get these pronouns right, 
to try and be as respectful of their decision as possible. But if I'm being completely honest, the only way I've been able to stay consistent with them throughout this episode is because I have it written down. In everyday conversation, it's incredibly difficult. About a year ago, I went to a lunch with a couple friends, and one of them I hadn't really seen or spoken to since high school, and he was saying that this one girl we went to school with now identifies with a whole new name, and I won't say who it is, and now she identifies with they, their, them pronouns. And I was like, oh, okay. So I was asking my friend all these questions about them and doing my best to use those pronouns when doing so, but because I had known that person for basically my entire childhood and all throughout high school, and because I'd spent all those years referring to them as she, her, hers, just out of habit, I kept saying she, her, hers, despite my good intentions. And this is the slippery slope I'm talking about because gendered pronouns are baked into American society, American culture, and how we communicate. It's in the language itself. And as a result, it's etched into our brains and it has been for centuries. And the communities of non-binary and trans people is a relatively new thing that challenges evolution, it challenges how we understand our species, and at the core, it challenges our fundamental communication, how we identify and describe things. So yeah, it's almost fucking impossible to live up to the pressure that these communities are imposing on society because it goes against how our brain was wired since we were born, and even before we were born. And so even if we are supportive, even if we agree, even if we don't care, it's not that we want to be disrespectful to trans people, it's that we literally have no way to be respectful. It's too new, it's so nuanced, and it's rapidly growing and changing. Do I think our language habits can evolve and eventually get there? Yes, but it's going to take centuries of reconstruction and adaptability. So sometimes I listen to Steven Crowder, who if you don't know, is a guy who hosts a very conservative right-wing internet talk show. And if you've listened to me talk for more than 10 seconds, you can probably gather that I don't really identify as someone who's anywhere close to the right when it comes to most issues. But I listen to him at times because I feel like you pigeonhole yourself politically if you close your mind off to either side of the political spectrum. Consider all the views and find your own. But anyway, he was commenting on Elliot Page's announcement and as expected, sort of poking fun at it. But he brought up a good point. And that is, everyone who's ever written about the past version, Ellen Page, you know, her IMDb page, and I'm saying her to refer to him in the past, which is confusing. Anyone who's ever written a review, done an interview, or really just included the name Ellen Page in some form of publication, is potentially now guilty of hate speech. Netflix and other platforms have since changed their name to Elliot, but that's not the case everywhere. Now, and probably for many more years, if not for forever, both Ellen Page and Elliot Page exist as two separate identities to describe the same person, just at different junctures of their life. You see how slippery this is? This doesn't just affect the trans community, it doesn't just affect minorities, and it doesn't just affect Elliot. It affects the entire world on a level so deep we can't even fully see it. It challenges how our brains understand people to a degree that's seemingly impossible to alter because it's so baked into us. 
and it's especially harmful if people are going to be ridiculed and who knows, maybe even legally punished for misidentifying a trans or non-binary or whoever kind of person. And I don't think that's right. I don't think it's fair to punish and hell, even to expect people to agree to all these different gender identities and sexual terms of expression because there's so many. And unless you're fully invested into these subcultures and communities, there's absolutely no way to keep up with and do it justice in a way that they will ultimately accept. I'm not trying to be arrogant when I say this, but I'm one of the most open-minded people I know. I don't really care about a lot of things most people do. I don't care how, how a person chooses to live their life. I only begin to care if I start seeing that individual behavior affecting society and the world at large in a deeply significant way. And this is one of those issues. If you want to become a man, great, you're a man now, and I truly don't see you as less of a person. You want to identify as a koala? Sure. Furry culture is interesting. <laughs> you do you, fam. But after you do these things, if you are to expect major changes to the language and how the society in which you are a part of communicates immediately and without complications, you're delusional. It's going to take time years, maybe decades, probably centuries of recoding and remapping and rethinking how we think about people and our species as a whole before we get to a point where these communities can truly feel included and a sense of belonging. That's just the harsh reality of it. It's different and it's complicated. And while it may not be complicated or considered different to someone identifying with one of those characteristics, it is to everyone else. So it's not just a matter of understanding and acceptance on our part. The trans community should also understand and accept that we also need time. We also need forgiveness because most of us aren't trying to offend you. And most of us are trying to understand. And yeah, there's also tons of people who just flat out find transitioning between sexes offensive and unnatural. And yeah, those people might be cruel towards you because of that. That's never going to change, but... People have been cruel and offensive and mean since the dawn of humanity, and this is just another thing for them to think poorly about. It's not being trans itself that they're mad about. Being trans is just a subject they can use as another canvas to project their negative emotions about themselves and their own issues onto. If you want things to change and if you want people to accept you for who you now are, and I'm speaking directly to the trans community when I say this, you have to give the rest of us the time, the patience, and room to do so, and not be so pressuring. And we all need that. Both sides need to be like that. Because that's the only way progress is made. Okay, I'm going to take a break, and when I come back, I'm going to talk about aliens. <laughs> Alright, so I'm not sure if you all have seen the headlines and quote-unquote news surrounding these strange monoliths that are being found across the world. Uh, in November, there were these wildlife resource officers who were flying over the Utah desert, and they spotted this like 12-foot-tall metal monolith sticking out of the rocks. It was this thin, shiny, triangular prism-slash-pillar thing, and... According to satellite imaging, even though the monolith was found last month, it's actually been there in that same spot since 2015. 
tourists were traveling to it, climbing it, taking pictures and whatnot. Even though it wasn't on like a hiking trail or anything, it looked to be in the middle of nowhere, just chilling in the desert. So I don't know how they all found it, but the internet is crazy, so it doesn't really surprise me. So anyway, the monolith was soon removed. And as it turns out, the flight path of the aircraft that discovered the monolith was tracked, and I guess the chopper landed close to Canyonlands National Park, which supposedly is a popular spot for filming. Parts of the show Westworld, as well as the movie John Carter, were shot there, so there's speculation that the pillar is just a leftover prop from one of those films. But also, Utah is sort of known for being this hub of desert and outdoor art, so the monolith could have just been an art piece. But then, an almost identical looking monolith was found across the world a week later in a small city in Romania. Same size, about 10 to 12 feet high, same shiny metal finish, it pretty much looked exactly the same as the one in Utah. And then a few days ago, a third monolith appeared in California, and this time it was discovered by a hiker. But unlike the Utah structure where no one knows how or when exactly it got removed, we know exactly how this one in California was removed. A woman named Sarah Barr in the New York Times wrote an article about this, and in that she says, uh, Several men who officials said had apparently driven five hours from Southern California live-streamed themselves tearing out the shiny three-sided steel structure in Stadium Park early Thursday morning and then leaving a plywood cross behind in its place. Christ is King, the men wearing night vision goggles and camo gear chanted in the grainy video as they toppled the shiny structure. One of the men in the video said that they removed the structure to tell the alien overlords that they are not welcome. And I tried to find a video of all this so I can hear and see all this for myself, but dude, that... That is fucking hilarious. Listen, if aliens are real, they're not going to give a shit about your cross, dude. If anything, they're going to get pissed off that you removed their beacon or whatever else you think it might be and replaced it with the cross, which, if you are an alien, is an equally mysterious-looking structure if seen without context, without knowing what it represents. It's just one strange tower replaced with another strange tower. Can you imagine if, like, all of these monoliths Okay, so first of all, no, I don't think these were set up by aliens, but for this hypothetical, I'm imagining as if they were. Can you imagine if these monoliths were like the alienistic version of a cross or some religious symbol for them? And they just like sent these monoliths light years across the galaxy to Earth to these random locations in a plot to colonize Earth to make it their temple to worship their god or gods? So think about how us humans have multiple churches and temples and whatnot. And now just imagine the entire planet of Earth itself as being one small temple for these big alien creatures where they can worship. Also, if aliens are real, and I neither believe nor disbelieve in them, it's just kind of like, I don't know. If aliens are real and they have a faith-based system, who or what is their god? But also, now that I'm thinking about it, Faith and God are humanistic terms, so if aliens are real, they don't understand a creator the same ways we do because they don't use the same, like, thinking thought processes as we do as humans. But then that makes me think, aren't we aliens to aliens? 
since they come from a different planet, we see them as aliens, but to them, humans come from a different planet, so we would be considered the aliens to them. So this is getting me thinking, are our rocket ships just domestic UFOs? And furthermore, do aliens postulate about the existence of us? Us being their true aliens? Dude, I don't freaking know. There's all these conspiracies about aliens and extraterrestrial life forms and about how they're so much more advanced and we than we are. And I'm just like, yeah, maybe. But also, maybe we seem more advanced to them, you know? Like, our experience of reality is dependent upon what we as humans can observe and notice. And I think the main reason we often think aliens are so advanced is because they've sustained this level of mysticism and mystery and they're basically unobservable and we as humans love that shit we love shit that we don't understand so we gravitate to these things fantasize about them paint them to be these incredible and incomprehensible things when in reality maybe they're not that and maybe they don't even exist at all i have a scarier thought though and that is Many of us fear the existence of aliens, but I don't know, wouldn't knowing the opposite be even scarier? What if we find out that no extraterrestrial life existed for sure? That the only life forms that exist in all of time and space are those found on Earth? Do you understand how tiny Earth is compared to the infinity that is the universe? How fucked is it that things just happened to pan out the way they did? We get to chill on this little rock floating through space. We have consciousness and free will and the ability to travel across the globe. And there's nothing and no one else beyond that. Things just happen to end up like this. And in the five or so billion years that the universe has existed, life just blossomed into existence yesterday. It didn't have to. Life didn't have to happen. The universe doesn't need us, or maybe it does, and that's why we're here in the first place. But, like, think about it. We just exist because we do, and all of a sudden, it just happened. And now people like me can think about that. For no reason at all, life just started, and somewhere down the line, we made words, and now we make sounds with our bodies to communicate thoughts. But thoughts are just abstract things happening in our brains. And somehow we found ways to make those abstractions concrete, tangible, audible, like, huh? Or let's say you, let's say you subscribe to the idea of a creator and some God created humanity and all of life on earth. Okay. I respect that. But who created that God then? And if you argue God was always there at the beginning, nothing created him. He created everything else. Okay. How do we even make sense of something that didn't even have a beginning? I guess I guess you have to you have to stop thinking about it after a certain amount of time because you can literally keep deriving anything more and more until you realize that shit will just keep on going and there's no end, so why waste your time? You either believe or you don't. And for most people that's enough and that gives them peace of mind. But I'm weird and I don't believe and I don't not believe because I only know what I know and I don't know what I don't know. And the closest I can come to understanding what I don't know is to accept that I don't know and focus on what I do know. But I don't know, if what I know is true, because life is so young, 
and we are imperfect, how can we know for sure? Did you guys hear that Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul are gonna fight in an exhibition match next February? What the fuck, dude? Bro, what? What's Logan Paul's deal with wanting to fight literally anyone he can? Like, obviously, it's for publicity purposes and probably has something to do with his ego complex and a desperate attempt to stay relevant, but come on! And if you're Floyd Mayweather, what also what are you thinking? You know, like, you're this, you're this undefeated boxing champion, considered a legend in a lot of people's eyes. Hell, I don't even know anything about boxing, but I sure as hell know the name Floyd Mayweather when I see it. And why is he coming out of retirement? Better yet, why does he want to fight the sociopathic cringe master who is Logan Paul? It's mind-blowing. Now, obviously, I know the reason, money and attention, just like everything else, but still, it's so weird. And what's up with boxing in general? We funnel hundreds of millions of dollars into a sport that solely consists of two people beating the shit out of each other? Now, if you're a boxer and that's your job and that's what you want to do with your life, train and hit and get hit and lose brain cells all for a paycheck, then fine. I'm obviously not going to stop you since that's your choice. But I really don't understand what's so appealing about watching it. Call me a pussy, but watching two grown men physically trash each other and sometimes kill each other just because is not entertaining. People pay to see this stuff live, and even more people watch it from home. And we love it. It's exciting, exhilarating, but why? Isn't that kind of sad? <laughs> that we love watching other people get destroyed? And you can't say that you like it for the competition. If that were true, you'd leave and go watch baseball or something. But something about the violence is enticing. And it's weird to me. Close your eyes and imagine a boxing or MMA match in your head right now. Hit pause. Take away the audience. Take away the ref, the judges, the lights, the cameras. Now take away the ring. Also, why is it called a ring and not a box? I don't know. Take the two men in the ring and now put them in a Walgreens. Hit play. Now you have assault. These men can be criminalized and thrown in jail regardless of whether or not they both consented. Now I'm not an idiot. Obviously context matters. I don't think professional fighters are criminals. But the whole organization and culture surrounding it does seem a little bit twisted if not sadistic. Blood and guts and violence and assault is totally fine being televised so long as it's sanctioned and both parties agree to it? Really? And I know it sounds like I'm against professional fighting, I'm really not, I don't care that much, but I do think it's interesting to think about how normal this shit is, and how many of us gravitate towards it and love it so much. It's a bit weird. But yeah, long story short, Logan's gonna get his ass kicked in February, and while I'm not gonna watch the fight, I'll definitely stay tuned for the headlines. That should be fun. Bro, 
what what is this world coming to uh it's so weird it's so it's so it's it's just nothing is surprising anymore everything that can happen will happen and no matter how absurd it may seem it's really not that absurd because absurdity is just normality at this point but i don't even know i it's i'm all over the place with this episode i talked about uh trans people and society and language and aliens and boxing and somehow it all worked out but i thought it was fun that's gonna do it for this episode um if you enjoyed feel free to leave a positive review on apple Podcasts. follow the show on spotify and if you have something you want me to talk about in a future episode specifically let me know that too but yeah it was fun uh it's been a minute since i sat down and just talked and it was nice to come back to it after a month or so hiatus any hoozle that's gonna do it i appreciate you all listening this has been episode 10 of humanitis with yours truly jaden lopez And as always, be safe and have a good day.